Well, laughter is good for the soul, isn't it? Amen, amen. Well, <clears throat> I want to get right into the word today. And uh, it's great to see you all here. And uh, you've braved uh, the hurricane. You've, is it a hurricane? The storm. You've braved viruses. Uh, you've braved the weather. And you're still alive. You know, uh, you've got to be careful what the news tells you. I don't, I'm not saying you disregard news, but uh, news work in a certain way. I'll explain this in a minute. Um, but the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? And uh, so I want to direct you to the word of the Lord today. Uh, last week, how many of you were here last week? Would you raise your hands if you were here last week? I know some of you might be hard to, you know, week, the weeks go by so quickly, don't they? And, uh, but last week I talked a little bit. Uh, out of the book of Psalms 127, you may remember just five verses. And I talked about the bread of anxious toil. How many remember that? If you weren't there, I encourage you to pick up the recording of it. And I talked a little bit through ways of how we can labor in vain. We have a world that is uh, driven by money, driven by success, driven by all these things. And if we're not careful, we could build our lives without God. It is possible, like the Bible says about the builder who built his house upon the sand. Come on, church. There was two, one who built on the rock and one who built on the sand. And one of the things the Bible pointed out, that they both finished their houses. Just because a house is being built or finished, doesn't mean the foundations are right. The way you tell is when a storm comes. So if you go home and your house is still there, you should rejoice. <laughs> So I talk about how God uh, desires that we build on the right foundation. How God desires that uh, He be with us. Uh, that how God uh, doesn't want us to give up quickly. We've got to be careful that we don't give up of God's best. <clears throat> and we don't walk into our own plans and ideas. <coughs> so this morning I want to continue from the book of Psalms. But I want to talk to you about finding rest, avoiding stress. How many think, that will work? Put your hands on everything, that will work. Finding rest, avoiding. Do you know most of the stress we cause ourselves? By wrong choices, wrong decisions. You know, if you could bottle rest, you would be a millionaire. Do you know that? If you could bottle rest and you could sell it, you'd be a multi-millionaire. Because we have a world that lack the ability to find rest. Even so-called believers cannot find rest. And the Bible says that we ought to find rest in Him. In fact, Jesus embodied what peace and rest was about. He says that in Him you would find freedom. In Him you would find hope. I have come to set you free. Christianity is not difficult. It's less of me and more of God. Oh, come on now. And the danger is we find ourselves, especially if you've been around God for a while in Christianity is that we begin to base everything on emotions and not on the word of the Lord. Let me tell you something. Your emotions would lie to you. Oh, come on now. Some of the children of the 80s. Any children of the 80s here? Go on, Leroy, put your hand. What, 50s, 80s? Anyway, uh, do you remember? Was it Cindy Lauper? You would know, Christy. Was it Cindy who lost in emotions? Was it her who's... Was it Cindy Lauper? Uh, Christy don't know, so it must be like way before her time. No, I mean after, so... <laughs> Um, but we can get lost in emotions and we can base our choices on how we feel. Do you know your feelings can trick you? 
Now, some of you don't know that because you are like, oh, I don't feel like this. I don't feel like that. I remember reading this and, and I was going to check it out with Paul, but now he's going to analyze it, see if it's right. But when pilots are put into a simulator to fly, before they fly in a plane, they go into a simulator um, and they would make things in the simulator to feel as though the plane is going to roll. Because the emotions in the pilot is going to tell the pilot to, to steady the plane, it's going to roll. But it's everything in emotion is designed to trick him. The way he's got to know that the plane is straight is by looking at the instruments. Come on now. And what happens in life is that often we make decisions in a roller coaster moment, in a moment when things are feeling like it's going to go upside down, and we make a decision, and what happens is we actually bring our life and our family and our friends into destruction because we base it not on the word of the Lord, but on our emotions. Come on now. And Psalms 91 is a great psalm to bring you away from the emotions of stress. To bring you away from the emotions of fear, from the emotions of worry. And Psalms 91 is a real psalm of David to tell you, let us find rest in God. Rest is one of those beautiful things that God desires to do. Now, let's go to Psalms chapter 91. I'm going to read it and I'm going to give you a brief outline of Psalms 91. And then I'm going to explain a few things to you. Is that okay? All right, even if you didn't say, okay, I would still go do that anyway. So it's not like you have a choice. All right, Psalms 91, if you have it, will you say amen? amen. Psalms 91, it says it this way. And some of you would know this scripture or you'd know part of it. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. If you're looking for, to change your Bible, I changed my Bible. But for the last number of years, I've stuck, stuck with the New Living Translation because it's a thought-for-thought thought translation. It's not that the others are wrong or incapable, but especially for a modern generation today, the New Living Translation is an excellent translation. So I'm reading from that. Psalms 91 says it this way. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. All right, now there are some bits in here that's good for you to say Amen. Because you also proclaim it over you and yours as well. Should we try that again? It says it this way. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God. I trust in Him. For He will rescue me from every trap and protect you from every deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers and he will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the diseases that stalks in the darkness, nor the disasters that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, and though ten thousand are dying all around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. Then they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras and you will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those in my 
my name. And when they call on me, I would answer. And I will be with them in trouble. And I would rescue and honor them. And I would reward them with long life. And give them my salvation. How many think that's an awesome psalm? Can we give the Lord a round of applause? Thank him for his word. Oh, what an amazing, amazing, amazing psalm. And this psalm is about faith and describes Perfect security. Would you say that? Perfect security. For the one who trusts in the Lord. Church, don't be gripped by fear. I'm not saying don't be unwise. I am saying don't be gripped by fear. Because the Bible is here to tell you that if you belong to the Lord, and it's conditional by the way, it's not saying that I'm a Christian because anybody can say something, it's that you have to belong to God. There are people, the Bible says, in the last days would say, Lord, I did this in your name. Lord, I prophesied in your name. Lord, I cast out demons in your name. And what did Jesus say? They'd reply, depart from me, you work of his iniquity. What? I never knew you. Don't just read the label. Look at the fruit. Come on now. And what happens with a lot of believers today, we are swept by emotions, we are, swept by, we are swept by our own feelings, and we don't go back to the word of the Lord, and the Lord is saying, listen, if you trust me, and you put me first, I will be your God, I would be your shield. So let me give you a bit of a foundation outline for this Psalms 91, and you can quickly write these down as I go on. The foundation of faith, Psalms 91 verses 1 and 2, believe in the person of God, believe in God. I'm always dumbfounded by people who say they're a Christian and they love God, but I don't like church, so I don't go to church. Because you cannot believe in God and not believe in His bride, the church. You've got to belong to a church. You don't just attend, you belong. You don't attend your family, you belong to your family. Can I hear an amen? amen. And when we are part of God's uh, house, we have first to believe in a person of God. And by the way, just because you believe, don't mean you're going to make it to the end. The Bible says even devils and demons believe, but they don't make it. It's those who endure to the end shall be saved. Come on now. The psalmist employs four names of God. Write these down. The four names of God. Elion. Psalms 91 verse 1, and this is in the Hebrew context, it's so delicious. Elion, it means he's the most high. He is the most high. He is the most high. No one is higher than God. I had some friends in Trinidad that live in a certain part of the island that I, uh, a little bit further away from where I grew up. But when you go there, it's literally bush bush, like proper bush. You know what I'm talking about? You don't know what's going to come out or what's going to go in. And uh, there, it's, I have some uh, Rastafarian friends, real Rastafarians, not the ones that just have dreads. They follow the teachings of Haile Selassie. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They don't eat no meat. They only eat the precious herbs, which is now being legalized. All right? And uh, so when I go in, when I used to go to visit them, and, and uh, they now have a community in, in this area where we have a church, uh, and they are born-again believers with all dreadlocks. I would love for them to come to our church. It would just rock your world. Uh, but they're born again. Don't worry. They don't eat the precious herbs. They, they, and they eat chicken now and stuff like that. So it's fine. But when I used to go to visit them, they had a sign that says, you're, el- you're entering the Most High. The house of the Most High. Well, this is the house of the Most High. This is God's house. And you know what? God don't put up with nonsense in His house. 
God don't put up with nonsense in, in, in any activity because he is the most high. This is what David is saying. Not only that, he's the most high. He should I, the almighty. And I love the prophetic word that came today. I don't know if you took note of it. I wrote it down as quickly as I could. And I think one of the, uh, the prophetic words says that I would blow across, I would blow across and, and you could trust in me. I'm about to do something great. I'll be faithful to you. You can, I would fight your battles. I think one of them was Neil was talking about, uh, the, the, stay still. The Lord will fight your battles. Listen, God is very good at doing what we mess up. If it's God's cause, he would make a way. If you got to force it, it's not God, it's man. Do you hear what I'm saying? And be careful what you force into the hands of God. Be careful of courting somebody and you believe in that God will change them. No, 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 no. If you can't marry them now, don't think by marrying them they're going to change. That's a dangerous place to enter a marriage. Wow, okay. Number three, Yahweh. He's employing these names in Psalms 91 verse 2. Yahweh simply means the Lord. He is the Lord. We used to sing the song, He is God, Lord, He is Lord. He is risen from the dead and He is Lord. Every knee will bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord. And by knowing that He is Lord, I trust in this one aspect of that term, that is, he's the master builder. He's the master builder of my home, of my marriage. He's a master builder of my children. If I bring him as Lord, he would make sure in my home. If he is the most high in my home, if he is the almighty in my home, if he is the Lord of my home, he can build my home better than I can. So the one aspect of life The psalmist David is trying to get us to is remember who God is. The fourth one is Elohim, which is remember, this is what Jesus cried out. He is my God. Say it, my God. Say it with conviction, my God. In other words, he belongs to you. Oh, come on now. He belongs to you. He owns you. Come on now. He is my God. He fights your battles. He opens your doors. He will not be mocked. He's a God that will bring rest in your life. No matter what bad news. No matter if you have no money in your account. No matter if things have gone upside down. No matter if your world seems like it's spiraling out of control. Christian, now is the time to trust in your God. Most Christians, and, and by the way, <coughs> don't uh, uh, put maturity of a believer by how long they're saved. Long, longevity of salvation don't mean that they're mature. Just mean that they've been around a long time. Oh, come on now. So this is the first aspect of verse 2. The letter B there is believe in the promises of God. I have promises of God that I hold on to. When you have children, you would notice that when they're younger, pretty much everything is in your control. Pretty much. But as they get older, it's a new level of fear that could step into your life because whatever you've done when they were younger and you could control, you could control what they wear, what they eat, where they go, what time you pick them up, whether they have chicken pox or not. You could have a chicken pox party, get them it, take it out. You could rearrange their whole life around you. Once they start getting to the teenage years and they start getting to the young adult years, you have to do that, let them go. And that is the most scariest point 
of a parent life. Not the childhood part, because you could sort of control that, but you talk to a parent that have kids that are grown up. It is restful, but scary. Especially when they learn to drive. Now, I tell my boys, they've been driving for a long time, driving me crazy, but they've not you know, gone for a driving test yet. But when they learn to drive, and they become independent, we want them to become independent, we want them to grow up, but there's a certain point of affair that comes in, and as a parent, your mind automatically thinks the worst, if they don't call. Any parent know what I'm talking about? Now, you, te- you teens and twenties that are here, you have no idea. Your moms and dads know. That's why we end up with no hair. Or the little hair that we have end up going white. But one day it will come back to you. Pressed down. Shaken together. And running over. Will be poured back into your bosom. And all the parents say. Yeah me now star. But we got to believe in the promises of God. Whenever one of my children goes through that sort of uh, mental health weird crazy thinking. I always bring them back to the point of Christian. Christian. What does scripture tells us to do? What does the word tell us to do? The psalmist is trying to tell us this, that trust in God as his refuge and his place of safety. Don't you love we're indoors? You don't know the elements because you probably can hear a little bit of it, but you don't know it until you go outside. You know there's safety in God's house? Do you know there's safety in here? You know if we were meeting under a tree, some of you, a branch might fall and knock you out. And you know what I'm talking about? There's safety out, there's dangers outside God's house. And we've got to be careful where we put ourselves because God has a designed place of protection for his people. The next one, the foes or the enemies of faith is the trap God rescues us. Psalms 91 verse 3, for he rescues us from every trap and he will protect you from every disease. It says it in verse, in verse 3, God protects us, the fatal plague. Listen, you don't have to be worried about coronavirus. I almost said coronavirus. It's not corona. <laughs> it's easier to say coronavirus, isn't it? Corona. Don't tell her that. It wouldn't bless her. But you know, the reality is, is yes, there are things around the world, but God is your God. Amen. Come on, church. He is your Lord. He is your savior. He is your redeemer. So God will protect you. Don't let fear overrun your life. The, the, the last bit, and I'll give you some outlines here in this part, is the fruit of faith is letter A, and this is from verse 4, we would find refuge under God's wings. God has given you a picture that he, he becomes like, a hand that gathers the chicks, you would find refuge under God's rings. In other words, stick close to God. Stay close to God. Let the heartbeat of God be, your, be, your, be in your air. Let it be there. The protection is by the armor of God's faithfulness. God will protect you. He will cover you with his feathers and he would shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armors. Use God's word. Call his promises into existence. No sickness will come about me. You are my protection. You are my source. You are my healer. 
you know, over my children, I've had to declare these things as they grow up. And, and uh, we've been through struggles with our children. We've had diagnoses on, on one of our child that this would happen and this will not be the same. And, and this is what the problem is. And, this and, and not that we threw it out, but we took what they said and we brought it as an offering to the Lord. And we say, God, I know this is what they say, but I know what you say. Amen. Do you hear what I'm saying? I know what you say. I know this is what they said that will happen or could happen. But my God says that this is a new day. And sometimes we've got to go for battle for our children in prayer. You've got to cry out over them. You've got to pray them. You don't just sit down and analyze them. Let the Lord work on their behalf. One time we had this in school. Uh, I had to meet with uh, one of my kids and, uh, and, and meet with uh, a, psychi- a psychiatric counselor. And they would watch them play, and then he would sit down, and then he would tell me what he thinks. So I'm sitting there. I, I, I never let my wife do any of these. I did these. I went in, right? Because this is my child. I know it's Sarah's child too, but I'm a man, and I think sometimes men need to step up. Sometimes men let women do stuff that they need to do. Wow, all the, all the, all the women are... So I, I was a dad present in school. I went to the games. I went to the stuff. And I sat down there. And uh, because I'm protective. Your child is your child. Come on now. So I'm sitting there. And this psychiatric counselor came in. And right away, my backup was on the wall. You may think, why are you like that? Well, the guy came in. And he looked like he could do a bit of exercise. I'm just saying. That's all I'm saying, right? That's all I'm saying. I'm not going further. But his shirt was not really tucked in. One, one leaf of it was out. He had part of his lunch he had that day on his white shirt. Uh, and you could see part of that lunch still on his teeth. Um, his glasses were fingerprint dirty. The little bit of hair he had left, like me, was not fixed in place. And I'm thinking, you're here to tell me. I know appearance is not everything. However, there must be a sense of professionalism. Anybody agree with me? I, I, know you, I know you could come from the garden and do it, but it is fine. And he sat down <coughs> and he came up with his uh, diagnosis or prognosis, whatever you call it. And uh, he said to me, so, right, because this is what this kid does, this is how they are, right? Uh, no. And he was like checking his screen, which also had lunch on it. And he was... Uh, and then he said, right, so because he has this, does he do these three things? No. And he says, well, I don't know what the problem is. So I said to him, I said, so what do we do now? He says, I don't know. And I started talking to him about his life. I'm thinking, hey, I'm counseling them. So what do you do? Well, you know, I'm divorced from my wife and my kids and my son. And, and, and I said, so how long have you been doing this job? Oh, I was been doing it for 15 years. And, and then I realized, in a nice way, a mess is trying to fix what only he learned on a piece of paper that God has designed. And I realized this with all due respect. I believe in those things, but I trust in God more. And by the way, this child has grown up and everything that they said that, they, that, that this child will do uh, or become, none of it has come to pass. Not one of it. Can we give God the praise for that? Now, you, 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 don't, you may not know what it's like, but for those of you who have children, and you, you know exactly, 
exactly what I am saying. And I'm here to tell you, no matter what it says on paper, he is a miracle working God. He's a God could turn it around. Your child could be safe in the hands of the Lord. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all. Just the breath of God could change a situation. Don't give up on God over your family or your kids. God will never, never leave you high and dry. He is the one that you go to. He is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. He is light in the darkness. Come on, we sing it. You got to proclaim it. That my God will never fail. And declare it over that child. Declare it over that work. Declare it over that marriage. Declare it over that circumstances. The next one there is he would rescue from times of terror and danger and evil. Don't let these things freak you out. The next one is to see the punishment of the wicked. No matter who has crossed you and done evil against you, God pays the bill. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Don't get involved. See, you can get involved and you mess up. Just let God do it. God has his time. God has his way. God makes every high thing humble. Come on now. God deafens every lying tongue. Come on now. God is God. He's a holder and the defender of all truth. And the Bible said that you were thread upon the lion and the snake. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that's not literal because I don't like snakes. I don't thread upon them. I have a, another way that vegetarians wouldn't like. Anyways. So in other words, God is your protection. Amen. The friends of the faith. Who are they? They are the angels who do his bidding. Angels work on your behalf. Can, I, can, you, can you believe that, Lord? The church... Angels work on our behalf. For he would order his angels to protect you wherever you go. Wherever you go. The angels of the Lord will protect you. Uh, what they will do, they will guard the believers. They will protect us uh, everywhere we go. They will guard the believers. They will hold us with their hands. They will bring protection. And I talked a little bit about this last week. The fellowship of the faith. And this is the last bit of the outline before I uh, give you the mean meat of the text. The fellowship of the faith is faith creates intimacy between the believer and the Lord. Faith creates that intimacy between the believer and the Lord. Letter A, it's a mutual love. He rescues and protects those who love him. If you love God, if you truly love God, every detail of your life would work out. Do you hear what I said? If you truly love God, every detail of your life will work out. I'm telling you this, not from something I've read, but I'm telling you this from life's experience. If God is your God, He will make a way. He will open doors. He would cause people to see, to stop seeing. He would bring you favor. He would take you from the bottom of the pile and He would bring you on top. Your file may be below. He would make sure it lands in the right hands. If God is in your heart and you're in His heart, every detail of your life would work out good. But you got to make sure you remain in God. Because the enemy is very clever. He wants to get you out of his purpose. See, because the devil cannot do anything to you. Only what you allow him to do. And that's why you got to be careful of what you let into your head. Let it be there is communication through prayer. God answers those who call on him. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is effective. What gets me through life is not doing uh, yoga, I don't do that anyways, but exercise, I, I run in, all those things I do, but what gets me through life is prayer. 
Prayer is effective. I was training uh, on Friday morning. I get up early and I go to the gym before school run and, and what have you. And I had just done what I normally do. And uh, it was an, a crazy place to pray, but I was on the boxing bag. It's good, the boxing bag, you know, because you could hit it really hard. And uh, I was on the boxing bag and I was praying. And, 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 and I was praying through this scripture while I was uh, doing this. And the Spirit of the Lord came so strong, I felt his presence so strong at that moment that I realized this, that God becomes the bag in front of us, whatever is coming our way. He shields us. Because sometimes we think, how are you going to do this? How are you going to face this? How are you going to... God is our shield. My wife at this moment, she's not here. She's on her way to Wales. Uh, uh, both Hannah and her, her, their dad is starting chemotherapy uh, Wednesday. Tuesday, Wednesday, I think it's one of those days. And uh, so that's why she's not here. And we pray, we pray, God, I, this, is, this is what he needs, but God, and this is what the time it takes to recover, and this is the process of what they go through. But God, we believe that you can do beyond. You can bring through a breakthrough. You can bring through, you can open doors. Even, uh, and many of you have been talking to you, asking about them, and we thank you so much. And my mom, who was in hospital in, in the Caribbean, come out, and, and she was good this week. Now she's going back in. But, but although what we cannot do with our physical hands, we cannot touch, we cannot do, God can do through prayer. And prayer moves mountains, church. Prayer, he's still miracle working. He's still able to go beyond what we can reach. And sometimes, like I say, we can walk around life like carrying loads of boxes in our hands. And we don't know if we can cope or if we can go on any longer. We're not meant to carry them. God is the one. He says, cast my your burdens unto me for I care for you. Sometimes we do God's job and God will just look at us and say, okay, you keep doing it. When you're ready, I'm here. And we've got to remember that God ultimately is the one that controls. Long life of honor. And the last bit of the outline there, he is with them in troubles and satisfy them with life and long life and salvation. And when I was preparing this, I just sensed in my spirit that there are some people either listening online or, or in this auditorium, but sometimes you have a fear of dying. And you have a fear that well, because my dad died at this age, or this has happened to my aunt, or this has happened to... And there's almost a fear, an irrational fear of dying. It's not God's plan. It is, that is, the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of what? He's not given us a what? Spirit of? We've got to come against a spirit of fear with a spirit of faith. And one of the things, I don't have it with me, but we've got some prayer cards out in the auditorium, that are out in the bookshop that I've written. And these are all things that are like equipment to help us when the battle comes against the mind. And that's where the battle is. We're able to wage war in prayer and believe in by faith that God will open a door and fear would not take hold of my life. Fear will not get grip on me. I will not be a failure. I will not get sickness. I will not see this happen to my child. I will not let fear sweep over me. I would find rest in God. Rest is a good feeling, isn't it? When you truly find rest in God. And Jesus says it this way, Matthew 6, 31, 32. Look at the scripture. It says, don't worry. Would you say it out loud, don't worry? Would you say it to your neighbor with a bit of conviction? Don't worry. Ask yourself. Listen to this. Don't worry and ask yourself, what will we have to eat? What would we ha- will we have anything to drink? 
Will we have any clothes to wear? Now, he's not just talking about those things. He's talking about our financial security. Do you hear what I'm saying? And look at verse 32. Jesus speaking here. He says, only people, could you read it with me? It's on the screen. Only people who don't know God are always worrying about such things. Oh, Lord Jesus, help me. I hope I wasn't one of them. You got to ask yourself, why do you worry? And it's almost like if worrying was a degree, a lot of us would have graduated a long time ago. Don't raise your hands. You could just go, mm-hmm, yes. I'm not here to point fingers at all because even I could fall into the trap of worry. But God did not design you to worry. And when you do not have rest and you add worry on top of that, then comes in brother anxiety. And when brother anxiety shows up, sister depression comes along. And then come their children. Discouragement, failure, hope, blown away. We've got to come back to the point where we trust God. God, you will take care of all of my needs. I am not going to worry about my future. I'm going to believe God that your future, my future is in your hands. I will work hard. I would work as unto the Lord. I will not have lying lips. I will not try to deceive anybody. I will not sow seeds of, of gossip or turmoil. I'm going to trust you with all my life. And when you do that, the Bible tells you, your father, your heavenly father knows already all these things. God will open the door for you. God will open it. Now, when we don't walk in rest, listen to this. And this is probably, if you visit your doctor, they will tell you this in a different way, obviously. But when you don't walk in rest, but live in stress, then we make wrong choices based on our feelings and emotions. If you're going to make a major decision... In life. That's going to affect your future. Don't make it based on emotions. Don't make it based on emotions. That's the worst time you can do that. That is the worst time. Because you would learn to regret it. Don't make that decision. Based on feeling or emotions. Don't follow your heart. Have you ever heard people say, have you ever heard that before? Follow your heart. Well, look what the Bible says. Jeremiah 7 verse 9. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. Desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Oh, Lord Jesus. Yes, but I'm following my heart. Don't, don't, don't do that. Rick Warren, Rick Warren said it this way. He says, feeling often lead us in the wrong direction. You really need to rely on truth outside yourself. If you listen to news, you have on any one of the network news on 24-7, and, and you know it pops up on your phone, whether you like it or not. Not a patient found with coronavirus in the UK. UK is now the highest risk of becoming... Anybody I'm talking about? Boom! Whether you want it or not, it's coming up. And all these are little seeds going into you, bringing what? Fear. Bringing worry. Bringing anxiety. Bringing all these things. And, and you've got to remember, there's a reason why news networks feed off of these things. Because they have to sell their advertisement spaces. Right? I'm going to tell you how it works. There is no such thing as unfiltered news. News always have an agenda to it. I'm not saying you don't trust me. I'm saying there's always an agenda to the news network. 
Some news network are pro this, against that, and they could make the news work with how what their agenda works. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So they got to sell their spaces to advertise so they could get more money. But they need more people clicking on their website. They need more people watching during the airtime so that their airtime and their clicks, the amount of people being on there goes up. That means that now their network space is worth millions because you've clicked five times. Not only you, your cousins, your auntie, your uncle, the whole of the university, the whole of Brighton. I don't know why I said Brighton, but Brighton, the whole of Wales, the whole of this one. Everybody's clicking, clicking, and all of a sudden, this news channel has the highest rating. You look at it when they're doing the awards. We had the highest rating during the SARS outbreak. Why? Because they keep pushing it. And then as they keep pushing it, now their space that they sell adverts on becomes a premium and they can make more money based on our fear. You ever notice there's no such thing as good news? No one reports. By the way, the doctors have just stopped 50 cases of coronavirus from coming in. Because no one, none of, no one will be like, no one's excited by that. We're only excited by fear. So you've got to be able to have truth that is outside of your feelings. Can I hear an amen? Now, how many times you've made up your mind about something only to find out that you were wrong? How many times? One pastor was visiting here from Canada. Lincoln, you know him. He says it this way. Wrong voices causes one to make wrong choices. You have to be careful what you let in yourself in. So how do we know what truth really is? If we say truth can be tainted, and we say that there's truth with an agenda or what have you, how do we know what truth is? Well, Pilate asked that same question that you just asked me, although you didn't, but I knew you were thinking it. Pilate, looking at Jesus, asked him, what is truth? Do you remember? And he's looking at truth in the eye. Sometimes we can have truth in front of us, and we don't really see it. Do you want to know what will guide you through life? Do you know, want to know what will get you through the rough moments of life? Is the word of the Lord. What does it say about God's word? Psalms 119 verses 1 to 5. Thy word, read it out. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Do you base your decisions on God's word or what you feel? If it was on feelings, I tell you what, my wife and I would have never started a church. Because we didn't feel good about it. But the Lord said. That's why we never made a decision, even in the house we're in. We never made the decision based on money. We made a decision based on what does God want. If, if it's God's will, it's His bill. i say it again. Some of you need to write that down. If it's God's will, it's His bill. In fact, often enough, when you can't afford it, that's telling you God's in it. If you can afford it, it don't require faith. So the word of the Lord is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Hebrews 4 verse 12. For the word of God is alive and what? Powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between the soul and the spirit. Between joint and marrow. It exposes. Look at this. It exposes what? Our innermost thoughts and desires. Do you know your own thoughts can mess you up? Now, flash your mind back to when you were a kid. Remember this blessings? When you're a little boy, under your duvet, and you have the little lamp. Anybody grew up with a kerosene lamp? That you pump? Marco, you did? No way. There's no way. You're like 12 years old. How could you? 
when you were little. Anybody remember those? Andy, you know, you, you were there when they invented them. But, but <laughs> do you know the one that you pump this way and you had the light and then you, you do the wick? Any, anybody else from the ancient of days? Oh yeah, a few of us, okay. And when that light is flickering, every shadow comes alive. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you see things in that room. Oh, God is filled. God, you see, people are getting delivered right now. You see things in that room. Most of the time, it's probably the fumes. Because we know now, you shouldn't have been sat there sleeping all night with these fumes taking it in. No wonder most of us have pizza for brains. But, you know, you start seeing lights and you start seeing things. All of a sudden, you see things in a corner. You see Aunt Mary looking at you. You know, every West Indian became more Christian at night. <laughs> you hear things, you see. Anybody ever? Now, even now, kids with their modern day LED, low impact on, on green emissions and all those things, they still see nonsense at night. Anybody had their kids coming in? I see the blanket, it looks like this. Oh, my goodness sake, it's just a blanket. And then you move it. Oh, it looks worse. Make it a different shape. Why? Because your innermost desires and emotion as a child brought a fear that was just for a moment. As you grow up, that is still there and God wants to take it out of you because you could make up your mind about something unless God's word comes into you and bring clarity. That's why you don't let emotions play a part in it. The Puritan writer Thomas Brooke, great writer, Puritan writer, says it this way, the word of the Lord is a light to guide you, a counselor to counsel you, a comforter to comfort you, a staff to support you, a sword to defend you, a physician to cure you. The word is mine to enrich you, a robe to clothe you, and a crown to crown you. Oh, come on, that deserves an amen. John Flavel said it this way, the scripture teaches us the best way of living, the noblest way of suffering, and the most comfortable way of dying. God has my future in his hands. People often say to me, Pastor Jeff, are you not scared when you go to like places like Japan, they have earthquakes? and Listen, God already knows where I'm going, and he's gone before me. And if God desires that I go home, so be it. I know to be absent in his body is to be present with the Lord. And if I no longer on this earth, that is fine because I know I would be with my Savior. That is a great place to be in life. If you cannot be in that place, for sure, you need to make sure you're in that place. Because then you know what? Nothing would worry you. When it was 9-11. Anybody remember 9-11? When it happened? That's when the... The start of our church was around 9-11. Did you know that? The first meeting, I think we were in Lee and Helen's house, and we had a guy visiting from Canada. And the time that we were going to start, remember Tracy? We were going to start the first meeting of Harvest City Church, 9-11 started. I thought, wow, what a great start. Planes crashing into the buildings and, you know, things are going. And then the Lord said to me, this is exactly why you need church. Because this world has no guarantees. This life has no guarantees. And that's why we've got to know that God is our source. Brian Edwards said it this way, Philosophy and religion may reform you, but only the Bible can transform you. Do you want to be reformed? Or do you want to be transformed? The word that is, which is unchangeable by cultures, by traditions or time, it's the ultimate guide for life. 
is God's word. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16. Great scripture. said it this way. All scripture. Somebody say all scripture. All scripture is inspired by God and useful for what? Number one. Write it down. To teach. That's what we're doing. We're teaching from scripture. To teach us what is true. It is to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Do you know if you try to figure out life without God, you would mess up yourself? And that's why Christians, when they absent themselves from the word of the Lord, then they start thinking irrational thoughts based on emotions and not based on God's word. Look at it. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us what to do is right. You know, none of us would know what wrong really is unless we had the scripture to be our plumb line. Unless we had the scripture to be, to be our spirit level. Unless we had the scripture to tell us, you should not do that. You should not live this way. The scripture is God's word left to us. And in fact, it's Jesus embodied in this word that brings us life and strength and hope. It's the scripture that we live by. It's the scripture that helps us make better decisions. It's this thing that centuries people died for. That they tried to burn. That they tried to get rid of. That they tried to replace with other books. But even up to today, it's still the number one best-selling book of the world. It's the Bible, God's Word. And as a Christian, you ought to read your Bible every day. That's the only way you're going to find rest. We think we've got to be better in ourselves. We've got to be better. We've got to look after our planet. I'm not, not against looking after your planet. I'm not against. You look after your planet, but this planet is not going to be here forever. Can I go a little bit deeper? It may upset some of you. I still like meat. I'm just saying. I know that's like almost a religion in itself. And, and oh, it's going quiet now. But by me, stop eating whatever meat it is. It's not going to prolong what God's going to do. He's coming back. And sometimes we put more focus on what goes in our belly. And we read every ingredient... Red meat. (laughs) But you never read the ingredient. Hear me now, star. We never read the ingredient that tells us one day he's coming back. And the earth will not be destroyed by water, but it will be destroyed by fire. So you could flexitarian... Whatever. And I do some of that sometimes. But ultimately, he blows. Ultimately, he decides. Do you hear what I'm saying? Now, I know there are dietary requirements and some people can't eat certain things. And I'm not against that at all. But what I'm telling you is I'm not going to let the world tell me how I ought to live my life. The one thing that's going to tell me how I ought to live my life is this word. This word, man shall not live by bread alone, but by, but by, but by every word. You've got to decide. Now, I'm not against your health. I, I look after myself. I train. I do these things. I, this is the sixth year that I've beaten type 2 diabetes. Sixth year. From when I was diagnosed to being this close to type 2 diabetes six years ago. This year, I've beaten it again. So I look after me. I'm not against looking after yourself. But ultimately, God is the one who looks after me. 
Ultimately, I could do everything right. And ultimately, I got to hand it into the hands of the Lord. And, 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 and let me tell you this. God is very good at taking care of us. We can't do it ourselves. Because we mess up in our mind. We mess up in our thoughts. Even with our very good intentions, we still make mistakes. You know, doctor told me, don't do this, don't do that. And I could stay away. Certain things don't really tempt me. But Victoria Sponge, Lord Jesus. With custard. I mean, if it's dying, that's worth dying for. Do you know what I mean? Chocolate cake and stuff. You know, it's nothing like... Anyways, I wouldn't, okay, let me, just, let me just stay away. Stay focused. Stay focused. Your wife is not here to tell you off. All right. True rest is found only in following scripture. Amen? Here are some things. We'll finish off with this. The word of God, the Bible describes itself as it works in many ways. Isaiah 55 verse 11. Write these down. I just quick do a quick outline of this. Isaiah 55 11. God's word will not return to him empty, but will do what God desires and achieve the purpose for which he sent it. Jeremiah 23, 29, God's word is like fire and like a hammer that can break a rock into pieces. It's God's word. John 6, 63, God's word is a spirit and it's life. Acts 7, verse 38, God's word is living. It's breathing. Ephesians 6, verse 17, God's word is part of the believer's armor, the sword of the spirit. Hebrews 4 verse 12, God's word is living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, judging people's thoughts and attentions. 1 Peter 1 23, God's word is living, enduring, to which his people are born again. You want to live a life of rest and avoid stress? Get into God's word. Read his word. Meditate on his word. Understand his word. Study his word. Every day, get his word in you. Be part of God's word. Let God's word infuse your life. Let it raise you up in the beginning. Let it marinate you in the soul. Let it be the one thing that becomes your filter for life. God's word is my lamp unto my feet. God's word is my sword on my side. God's word is my shield. God's word is my armor. God's word is my pillow. Come on now. It is God's word that I make my choices. It will be nothing else and no one else. But what does the Bible say? God's word is the definitive answer for every question. What does God think is God's word? It's the answer. It's the hope. And Jesus shows us this when he was faced with the devil. He said, it is written. It is written. Why? There's power in the word. There's victory in the word. There's freedom in the word. There's rest in the word. There's hope in the word. There's rejuvenation in the word. There's new life in the word. Look at scripture. In the beginning, he spoke the word and it came to being. He sent the word and the word healed them. The word has the ability to do what all our worry, all our tears, all our thoughts, all our stresses cannot do. It is the word that changes things. I'm here to tell you, God wants you to have rest. Stop worrying, Christian. Stop living in stress. If you have voices you're hearing that are telling you, people are telling you this and that, sometimes switch off the voices. Get rid of their number. 
Don't get it in your spirit. Because God's word is never designed to scatter his people. God's word is designed to bring his people back to him. That they could truly find rest and hope and peace. It is God's word is our way. Many, many years ago while I was still, I was a youth leader in Huddersfield. And I went to Kenya for two and a half weeks teaching in a Bible school. And while I was there teaching, I was sat uh, a little bit like Jonah, I guess, but I was sat under a banana tree in a, in a little town called Meru, Kenya. And uh, there was loads of bananas. They were still green, but I was sat underneath there because it was really hot. And I was waiting. It was uh, break time. The, the, all the students I was teaching in the college were out on their breaks. So I was sat there, and uh, I, I was just going over my notes for the second session. And it was right then the Lord spoke to me, right then. And the Lord says, I'm going to cause you to be a great harvest. I'm going to cause you to be a place of... This is, this is probably two years before Harvest City Church was birthed. Two years before. So you could probably say God created it in Kenya and sent it all the way back here. Because he spoke to me there. And he said, this is what I would do. And, and you know, it's so easy in your emotion to try to figure out stuff. And then I went back to my room that night and I opened the scripture... And God systematically began to speak to me, scripture, 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 after scripture. And I, and I look at it today. You know, we have the partnership guide because of two years before we even started church. God created that. I wrote that thing in like four days. Four days. Our formation leadership was written like that. Now, you know, you're talking to somebody who couldn't even write two paragraphs in a letter, right? Because that's what God does. He takes our weaknesses and he makes himself strong. You see, because God, when God's in it, I'm trying to tell you this, you don't have to work. It becomes stress-free. I'm not saying you wouldn't have difficulties. That's stupid to think that way. But when God is in it, there's always an underlying peace. You know, you could be hearing the worst news of your life or going through the worst moment. But when God's peace is upon you, you face it differently. Because you know in your Noah that God spoke to you. And it's that peace that surpasses all understanding that God, you brought us together. You're going to sustain us. God, you brought hope together. You're going to give us a new day. I want us to come to that point as a church where we rely on God's best, His Word. There's a book I want to recommend to you. I think I recommended it about a couple of months ago and sold out and I hadn't realized but it's by Max Locado called Anxious for Nothing. And we, we, you could get it online or there's, I think we only got like five or six in here. But he talks about finding calm in a chaotic world. I've read it. Every, I'm not recommending every book he wrote. All of this one is pretty good and a few other ones he wrote. But what happens is when we don't find rest, we move into anxiety. We move into stress. And we become a part of a cycle that was not designed for us. And then we start having to take this medication and this thing. And don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying throw away your medication. That's stupidness in itself. But what I'm saying is, a lot of it has to do with who we find rest in. A lot of it has to do with surrendering to God and saying, God, come into my life again. Touch me again. All the messes that's going on. Because, see, only us would know what's deep down inside. You could talk, but sometimes we have layers, you know. We don't really go deep. But the word of the Lord cuts through the layers and it goes to the point where it meets the core. And that's God's word. This morning I was up early and 
And I could sense with everything I can hear around me outside of the storm that God wants to blow into some of your lives today. Maybe you've closed some doors in some areas and you're still going forward, but you know, you're struggling. It's hard. No one knows what's going on inside. God wants to touch you today. Would you stand? I want to pray for you.